You are listening to the Signal to Noise podcast on the ProSound Web Podcast Network. Signal to Noise is supported by Audix. Check out their line of Pro Studio headphones and microphones, as well as the TM2 in your monitor measurement coupler at audix-usa.com. RCF, manufacturer of professional line array, subwoofer, and loudspeaker systems, as well as portable sound solutions and audio tools for your production studio. For over 70 years, RCF's passion for perfection drives the design of every product. Visit RCF at rcf-usa.com. Alan and Heath has asked us to read this. If a tree falls in the forest and no one is there to hear it, does it make a sound? It would seem that it all depends on the famed philosopher John Locke's conception of primary and secondary qualities of the tree. Of course, this metamorphosis indicates the qualities the objects possess initially, axiomically, and which are attributed to them by the listener. The falling tree in the forest does not really sound like anything, kind of like the heavy metal Skeltzimmer band I was in in high school. I wish I could break free Back to where I'm supposed to be Hi. Hello. Sam. What's up? Welcome to the Signal to the Podcast. Going? On the Pro Sound Web Podcast Network. We we do a podcast? That's what this is? Apparently. Huh. Forgot we Weird. recorded this thing. Yeah. And, you know, shout out to some people who love us. Who's which, that? Uh, RCF. I heard of them. Audix. Oh, yeah. Alan and Heath. There we go. All good people there, so we appreciate them. And also, you. Yes, I'm talking about you right now. You are either, you have maybe have an AirPod in right now, and you're driving your kid to school, or you're in a shop and you're wrapping some cable right now, or, I don't know, where, where do you think people listen to this podcast? I don't know. Um, anyway, welcome. I was going to do a bench work. A bench work? Oh, in the gym getting swole. Yes, come on. One more rep. One more rep. Go, That's go. That's where Kyle no. does it. No, no. No? Oh, okay. All right. I love how Kyle started, but just like, you're wrong. No, no. No, no. Don't listen to it there. No, I, it, that's you know it's funny. Like I when I when I was working out, which has been years from now, uh, <laughs> like I tried to like listen to like podcasts or audiobooks or whatever, and it just doesn't do the thing. You gotta have you know some music or something. Like Kyle, what do you, what do you do when you're getting swollen in the gym? What do you, what do you do? Uh, I don't listen to anything. I think, and I listen mm. to other people grunt, and make noises sometimes, or I go super late, so I'm the only one in there, and I can just yell, "Why." Why me, God? <laughs> Why? <laughs> that's that's Sam, how I motivate. Sam, you've been you said you've been like running on days off and stuff like that. What do you what do you do when you're running? Um, honestly, man, I just try to like find music with a consistent tempo and try not to fall on my face. Usually, <laughs> crazy. <laughs> most, most stuff just yeah, like most. blast it and go for it. That's pretty much where we're at. <laughs> Nice. Well, Kyle, where where are you currently? I am in the great state of Florida, in a, a city called Orlando. Um, heard of, heard day, of it? Yeah, we have a day off, so we're moving right along. We're on the downswing of two months with Max, 
And uh, we have a show tomorrow at the Orpheum here, Tampa. Then we fly out to San Diego for the Wonderfest. Is it Wonderfest? I don't even know what it's called. Yeah, I mean, for Big Boy. So I'm kind of excited for that because I truly think Outcast needs to get back together so that we can uh, bring real hip hop back to the to the peoples. Um, and then we're uh, heading up east. So if you see see it around, hit me up. And uh, we definitely got guest list spots, so you guys can come hang out at a show, come say hello, whatever you want to do. Yeah, and I get to see you and hug you in less than a week at this point. So, you know, I, I, th- I think I, th- I think I'm going to, I don't know if I'm dropping this one to the last one recorded as a bonus, but whatever, expect this to come out and I'll sooner than later. So whether this is an official... Union. At, whether whether it's an official episode or not, I don't care. Whatever, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna drop this soon. So at, at, the, um, at the union transfer, union transfer in Philadelphia. Yeah, I'm, yep. I can't wait. Um, Sam, you are in some European city and country. Where the hell are you? I am currently in Milan, Italy. Yeah, that's right. Ooh, Yo, I know nice. where I am. Yeah, nice. there you go. So you, yeah, did, we've got a show here. Good, I did you guess. eat some good pasta today? Yo, so so much good food like i love italy and i never want to leave but also like i need to leave because just man is that why you have to run every day to, to work off all the pasta <laughs> yeah dude why else do you do that to yourself <laughs> so, i mean well i mean i do that too but also like i like food so here we are um Ugh. but nah, it's it's been it's been good man i'm i'm looking forward to it we've got a show and like Five-ish hours I load in, so you know we're vibing. That's awesome. It's what like four a.m. I'm kind of right excited now? for this Q and A thing. Actually, like we've not, I've not done one of these before, so I'm kind of excited for it. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, yeah. So I, I happen to post in our Discord and our Facebook, uh, like, hey, give us some questions and thoughts and you know whatever. So, we, yeah, we can rip through those. It's, it's fun when we get to do those. Um, you know, uh, yeah, the the whole like behind the scene things of like how these episodes come together. Um, look, when all of us are out traveling and doing shows, and then the bit and the business is pretty crazy. It is really hard to nail down guests, or we have people confirmed, and then they have to move last minute. And so, but I enjoy these times where the three or four of us, when Michael shows up after trivia night, um, uh, we get to do these. So, is, well, then at that point, then uh, Sam, was there one that? Uh, the one that stuck out to you that you wanted to hit first um i kind of just want to go down the discord man all right yeah well i'll have to read this out no i, I screenshotted it for kyle so he could see it um but um i got find the that. facebook one pulled up so chris and i have done actually this you, you know what times kyle you all right you know actually before we get to the questions because maybe i can stall a little bit for michael to get here i Kyle, you're going to experience this pretty soon as your daughter Carla gets older. Um, Kemper. Oh, damn it. I did it twice tonight. On, on air and off air. Kemper. Sorry. When Kemper gets older. Um, uh, you're going to learn that you're going to feel older and older as you learn words that the kids these days use. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to ask you, uh, Kyle. What does what is uh what's drippy mean? Drippy? Like drippy. the drip? Yeah, the it's drip. It's like yeah, man. It, I listen to enough rap music to know <laughs> the drip is. The drip is is your fashion. It's it's some Gucci shit. It's uh 
See, what my, you, my, how you look. This a drip. My, my, my daughter is 14 years old, and she came into my wife and I's bedroom the other night, and she's like, she's like, is my fit a W for tomorrow? Like, she had her outfit on for tomorrow. Yeah, fit. And my, my, my wife was like, the fuck did you just say? And I was like, she asked if her outfit is a win for tomorrow, is what she asked for. I, I, was, I was like, yeah, hey, I, I, got, I got this, you know? And then, you know, and then she's also like texting me on the side, like while I'm at work, and she's like, hey, do you know anybody that works with uh, a boogie with a hoodie? And I'm like, a who? <laughs> so I'm getting cultured both in music and in in terminology by my 14 year old daughter, and it's a uh, it's an experience. Okay, then let, let let's go over this for a second. Um, what is your most hated new phrase that you hear way too much that just doesn't need to happen anymore? Well, drippy is one of them, which is why I bring it up because it sounds like a venereal disease. Um, <laughs> it, it does not sound like, hey, this is what my outfit looks like, my drip, right? Like that's just when, you, like, it's like, yes, my moist, drippy situation I have going on. That's what that sounds like, um, you know. Oh God, and, Chris. And then the other thing that she had mentioned, I mentioned this to Sam today. Uh, situationship apparently is a thing. Uh, that that's oh a my term. God, Chris. Chris was like, "Do you know what a situationship is?" Like, yeah, Chris, <laughs> I know. Why do you know? <laughs> and then she's yeah, like. like Old people aren't supposed to know this stuff, but we just pick up on it. We're like, why are you kids using these stupid words? Like, I am tired of hearing, let's go. Let's go. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, you got those new Nikes? So let's go. Like, it doesn't even, no, let's not go. How about that? And then the other one is, is Sam's already said it, vibing. I'm just vibing. It's like, <laughs> you don't even smoke weed. Like, you're not vibing. No. No vibing. <laughs> no going. Stop it. My daughter's been doing it too. What else does she say? Uh, slaps. I thought that one was over. I thought slaps was over. Oh, that uh, totally It's been slaps. a while since I've heard that. Uh, 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 I think uh, banging is making a resurgence. You know, that that's banging. You know, um, that's kind of making a resurgence. Um, that's not necessarily a new one. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't know. Dork it's just, needs it, to make a resurgence. She she keeps saying like, "Oh, you you guys you, you guys don't understand our um, our generation." You know, like we call things differently, and we like like she uses that language, and I'm like, "You have no idea." Like uh, she she like doesn't realize how old she makes me feel when she says these things. But it's like it's I don't know. Having a teenager is uh, it's a fun experience for sure. I'm sure. Well, I mean, I feel I feel bad sometimes. Sometimes, every so often, people will be like, "Wait, how old are you?" And I'm like, "You don't want me to answer that question." <laughs> I'll just like walk away. I'll be like, "You don't. You're gonna feel bad when I answer that, so I'm gonna stop talking." <laughs> oh man! Like like the when when I did like that Made in America festival, right? And we had um you know some of the artists that are on there that like I had never heard of uh. And like it, like impressed the heck out of her. She's like, "Oh my god! Like they're gonna be there!" And oh, oh, like Lil, Lil Uzi was the biggest one, right? And I'm like, first off, before Mid America, I had never heard of Lil Uzi, and she was flipping out, you know. And it's like, all right, finally, because she couldn't give a rat's ass about anyone I've ever toured with, you know what I mean? And so, like, finally, I can be like, "Hey, cause she, oh, did you get to meet him? Did you do this? You know, it's like finally, I have some street cred with my 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 daughter." that I'm working with people that she knows. So that's, that's kind of fun. That's kind of how I feel like in the U S sometimes people are like, you work for a bunch of like, cause I, for some reason I've ended up doing a bunch of Euro rock bands this year, but it's like who? And I was like, we can sell in Europe. 
<laughs> I was like, I don't know. I thought I was kind of cool over there. Not like me personally, but the band. Hey, the the the, the check still cashes regardless of whether. And like, I think uh, I think Michael said this too, right? Like there was um, or so maybe this was in Discord, right? And it was like the concept of like there was like a promoter who uh, of a club or something like that. And the response to something was like, Oh, and this band that I never heard of or whatever. And it's like, you know, nowadays, like it doesn't matter whether you've heard of X band, like in their own right, there is these silos of you go to Spotify and there's millions upon millions of downloads of this person. Like somebody's heard of these people. They're relevant to somebody, Dude. you know? Well, and that's the thing too, right? Is like at the end of the day, as much as we joke about it, like, I'm not someone who cares. Like some people really care about like they want to work for an artist they like, or, you know, they want to feel like they have that relationship, especially if you're like a monitor engineer, I totally get it. Um, for me personally, I'm kind of like, if I'm working with a crew, I like, I don't really care who the artist is, you know, check cashes, good people. I, I was talking yeah. to you guys off just, air before just, this, just right? Because we you... did a show in, um, Denmark and like did the whole show in Danish and I was like that's great I just worked a show where I understood literally zero words <laughs> I mean like no idea what was going on absolutely none I, I mean the show was the same yeah and just because right? you wouldn't just because you wouldn't listen to this artist um you know on a daily when you're at home in your car or whatever doesn't mean it, it can't be an incredible experience when you're touring or doing a one-off or whatever i mean you know um i don't listen to say josh groban every day or almost ever but i would i would tour or do a show with him in a heartbeat because of him and his band and everything else is phenomenal you know what i mean like you have to be able to you have to be able to like you have to be able to be present in the experience at the in the moment and appreciate it for what it is that doesn't mean you have to bump it when you're at home you know uh, you know work it out or whatever absolutely a good show is a good show and i i really enjoy the opportunity to work on things with high production value because at that point it's just it's just cool to look at it's just cool to see and experience and stand in the middle of and i really like that um but yeah i definitely would not necessarily go on a run to any of the artists that i've worked for this year and that's cool love them all to death let's take right. a question let's take a yeah question. let's do it all right, all right kyle actually since she wanted to go to discord you actually answer you wanted to answer one of these so let's 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 go to the first oh. one actually um you know uh chris Metters, uh shout out he he's very active in our discord uh, which, again, because we haven't mentioned it in a minute, uh, if you haven't joined our Discord, please do. Um, Facebook is cool, uh, and there's some good community there, but like Discord is really becoming the lifeblood of our community, and if you're not there, I do honestly think you're missing out a little bit, so come check it out. There's a link in the description for that, beside that point. Chris Meadows, Meadows asked, how to handle being thrown under the bus when a failure happens? Um that you sounded the alarm long before the showtime. Um, I've ha had a few situations like this. Uh, Kyle, you mentioned that you maybe wanted to address this. Yeah, why not? Um, yeah, the blame game is huge on tour. Um, so definitely, if you're sounding the alarm about something, make sure you're running it to the right person. Or 
that it's worth even talking about. Um, I realized that a couple tours back is like, sometimes you need to fix things and make headway on your own before you even sound the alarm to anybody about anything. And uh, if you run into a roadblock, know where to run it up the flagpole and who needs to know. Uh, no, no use getting band members upset about stuff. No use getting an LD or video person upset about it unless it directly uh, requires them. But the whole thrown under the bus game is a is a big thing in this industry. And uh, sometimes I think you just need to take the high road, you know. And and if you get thrown under the bus about the thing, be like, hey, I said something about it. I tried to fix it, and here we are. What are we going to do about it so it doesn't happen again? Yeah. The only thing I have to add to that is if it's a big enough issue, like show-stopping, like high-tier issue, put it in writing. Email a PM, TM, whatever, paper trail. Yeah, or, or figure out where your lane is, too. And it, I mean, not many, I people deal with, not many people deal with show-stopping bus throws. You know what I mean? Sure, uh, I just mean, if it is in your lane... Right. If it is, if it is one of those few things that is a big enough deal and it's in your lane, that's when I would do that. I I think there would have to be some examples of that. What is big enough? What is strong enough? Like definitely any kind of uh, racial, gender, anything like that. Yes. Uh, Showstoppers, any kind of power issues, amperage issues plugging your stuff into foreign things that you don't know what's going on. Um, load in tactics that are quite unsafe. You know, does, does it really warrant an email? Uh, no, but it warrants a walk into the production office, you know, uh, and it's how you present it as well. Uh, you can't present it as something detrimental. You need to be able to discuss it before it becomes something bigger than it really is. I think. Yeah, I, I, the 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 two things that I would add and welcome Michael, by the way. Um, uh, the in the question that we're talking about right now is how to handle being thrown under the bus when a failure happens that you sounded the alarm about long, you know. Anyway, um, uh, two things. One, and Michael is a big advocate of this. We talk about this is that like, hey, uh, at the end of the day, for one side of things is see something, say something, right? Especially from a, from a safety aspect, like you shouldn't give a rat's ass whether you get the thrown of the bus or whatever like if, if it's a life or death if it's something that's like you know someone's gonna electrocuted get hit in the head something like whatever happens after that you did your part go for it there are politics involved with corporate with rock and roll with whatever that sometimes are ugly um and you're never gonna defeat and you have to accept it sometimes that the reason why you're getting thrown under the bus is because of politics and not because you did the right thing. So I would encourage you to do the right thing first and foremost. And if politics play their way out and that looks like you get run under the bus, it is what it is. And maybe that's not the best can to be with or you need to go a different direction or something like that. But I mean, don't don't let the politics get in the way of doing the right thing. That, that's the best thing I can say with that. And, and, and the way that the question was worded, the reason I wanted to answer it is because when you're getting thrown under the bus, so someone is blaming you for something, and then you already sounded an alarm, so you're already defending yourself. So those are two things in psychology that don't go well together. Um, 
someone has to own up to what happened to make the situation any better. So you have someone blaming and you have someone saying, I did the right thing. You're never going to come to an agreement. And that's where the politics came come into most of the, the factions is someone's not going to be happy about uh, one person bringing this to another person's attention and blame and defensiveness is just going to get ugly. So you got to, you got to word your stuff correctly. The language that you use to explain this needs to be correct. And sometimes you just got to walk away. If someone's going to sit in production and point their finger at you and throw you under the bus, you just go, okay. And you just walk away and let whatever happened happen. Because uh, like Chris said, sometimes politics aren't worth you playing the game. I could be wrong. Hi, Michael. Hi. How are you, man? You got a haircut. I did. It's really good to see you. I haven't seen your face in, in a couple of weeks, man. You look great. Thank you. You look great as Thanks, well. Buddy. I noticed your haircut. Thank so. you. I, uh, to throw in on this topic a little bit, because I saw it come up in the Discord and I was kind of thinking about it. I'm a really big advocate of, we'll send an email to follow up on whatever we just talked about. So if you tell me, I know you asked for those extra boxes, but, uh, you know, bandas want to pay for it or whatever. I'll send an email. Hey, thanks for chatting with me about the extra boxes. I totally understand, you know, that although it'd be better, bandas want to pay for it. That exists on a paper trail now. So then when it, when it comes down that, oh, a bunch of people up in the back couldn't hear, you can't, you can't throw me under that bus because I can show you that I advocated for that. And, you know, someone else wants to make the call not to do it. That's fine. That's their job. I'm not going to fight you on it, but I am going to say my bit and be on the record that I said my bit. And so I'm, I'm covered now. Uh, I'm not going to take it personally if you tell me. From no. what, though? What, what are you covering yourself from? I'm covering myself from At having that blame lie with me. I mean, yeah, that's what we were just talking about. Yeah. It was like, if, if sometimes you sound the alarm way before any of this stuff happens, and then someone tries to come blame or throw you under the bus, like, you've already done your yeah. part. Like, it, it sometimes it's just like not even worth the argument after it's already been talked about. No, but it's about. No, I just, I think. No, but I mean, I, I think sometimes it's just being able to say, okay, here's the cause and here's the effect and that's it. Hey, Chris, you're muted, you're muted, buddy. Wow. That's, that's not normal. Um, it depends on the duration of something happening, right? If we're talking about like advancing a show and there's email correspondence and there's conversations, or if you're like within like an hour period and something happens, like there's that, I think that's also some context there too, right? I think like Michael, some of your point was like, if you are advancing a show and this, that, and the other versus in the heat of the moment of like rip before show, Hey, I see this happening. This is going to, you don't have the time to stop doing an email and have that type of correspondence or whatever. So it's, you know, we're talking to generalities here. No, maybe. The bus talks. uh, Hence our job. I'm sitting on one right now. (laughs) Uh, I think, I think the phrase was coined by us getting thrown underneath the bus because someone wants to blame someone else for, for an issue. There's better ways to deal with that. Like, sure. Like Michael said, email, follow-ups, if that's possible. And if you're just going to stand in production and get berated of something that you've already spoke about, maybe you just need to walk out. Mm-hmm. Like, 
like maybe you just need to be like okay yeah well there's a there's like a almost professional culture thing too where if someone says man i just did a show with kyle churnside and he said this really hurtful thing to me it's like well i know kyle he wouldn't say that so if if you build a good professional habit and you build a good professional reputation of always doing a good job and taking it seriously and not cutting corners and that type of stuff. Then if someone tries to, something's fucked up and someone tries to blame it on you because you cut the corner, then if you're known for not cutting corners and taking your job seriously, they're going to go, nah, I don't think that's true. So in a way you don't even have to defend yourself if you've established a reputation for doing your job seriously. You know what I mean? So, so in, in, in a way that that's not even given credence if you've got a good reputation and you've worked hard to establish that you don't do those things. Um, I agree with that yeah, too. Yeah, for sure. that's, that's good. Absolutely. Question number two. Do you want to take you a pick, Facebook one? Are, yeah, go for it. You pick a one. We'll, we'll go back and forth. So I, I like the one that um, Sam actually stopped to answer today just because we really don't get into the technical side here on Signal and Noise. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't, but most of the time we really don't. But uh, Denny Edwards said, uh, need suggestions on affordable measurement mics, computer interface, and software. And Sam had a great answer, so I want her to just basically reiterate that and add anything if she didn't when you were typing. I'll add something as a non-Rational Acoustic employee. I think one of the things that Rational Acoustic just did was make Rational Acoustic way affordable people by making it a subscription-based platform for those who can't afford to dish out a full price right up front <laughs> right i mean absolutely am, am i wrong there michael i mean you can maybe say no, a and, more, I mean, but i mean that's like, subscri- uh, perpetual is still there and for most people sure. who use smart that's still the way to go but for people who don't want to make the outlay or can't make the outlay you can get an annual subscription so smart le is like 165 bucks a year i think right now um so that is designed to allow Wow, that's way more accessible for so many yeah, more people. Yeah, it's just you know, your weekend warriors and, and your people, you know, like your small companies and 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 that type of people. You can you can get access to the tool. Uh, but Sam, you can talk about the gear. Let's see what you got. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I started with a pair of RTA four twenties and a Scarlet Solo. Or I think I had a two i two at the time, and a demo was smart. Right, you can totally do that. Um, in terms of like value for money, it depends on, you know, what you're trying to do. If you're trying to do some like pretty serious SPL stuff, um, at the risk of sounding like an advertisement, I really like my ISM cons. Um, the EMX 7150s are great. I tour with them, use them, ask for them everywhere. I own a couple of them. Um, you know, that solid calibrator and even the Mimi is pretty great value for money. Um, I really like that as well. So I mean, you can you can go to the Earthworks. You can go above that. There's a million different options, obviously. But to get started, those RTA 420s for just straight up measuring things are awesome. I yeah, I mean the the it, it gets said in classes that we're not you know nine times out of ten us as live audio engineers are not doing lab based you know measurements. And well, if you are, you're not using hundred dollars. Not using the the focus right interface like the the stuff that's right, used but, for that right. is so, very so expensive. That, Right. So that being said, a hundred dollar microphone and a two hundred dollar interface and a hundred and fifty, hundred and sixty, whatever it was, subscription is smart. So we're talking what, three hundred dollars. That's very you know, four hundred dollars, that's very pre- really reasonably um uh entry 
and and I would say even beyond entry level. Dude, um, I I really like pulling a Scarlet Solo or an Evo Eight, something that costs a hundred dollars. Scarlet Solo is a hundred bucks, hundred ten dollars. Evo Eight is one ninety nine. I love pulling that out of my my case and doing a a big venue with it. I like to do that to make the point to people that you do not need to spend ten thousand dollars on eight, you know carbon fiber matched pair unicorn tears measurement mics to do this work. You know, as Jamie always says, no one ever went into a venue and said, wow, it sounds great in here. I can tell it was tuned with the, with the DPA. It's not a thing. Right. Uh, <laughs> and, and if you've taken our class, we do this demo where you take a RTA 420 and you take a EMX 7150 and you take an M30 and you, you take a TM1 and you put them all together and you take four transfer function measurements and all the data looks the same. So in terms of the answer that these things are giving you, they're all the same. There, there's something to be said for build quality, you know, the, the cheaper mics, your RT420s, your, your ECM8000s, your DBX, RTAMs. There's, some of them are literally held together with hot glue. So if you want to make an investment that's going to last, maybe that's not the way to go. But if you want something you can take to Coachella and get dust blown into it, or you're not going to worry when it tomahawks into the arena floor or gets run over by a forklift, then yeah, you do want the cheap one. Um, so 300 bucks is kind of the sweet spot for measurement mic, you know, uh, you're getting good build quality, you're getting good longevity, you're getting a trustworthy tool. Um, as you go above that, you, I, in my opinion, you really start to get into diminishing returns. So um, if you want the, the inexpensive one, you're going to look at something like an RTA 420 or the DBX RTA M, which are actually the same OEM microphone, by the way. Um, and and the best selling one by far is the, the iSimCon EMX7150. Those are fantastic. Um, interfaces, the Scarlet Solo is very popular. The Evo 8 by Audience, really popular, $199 for mic preamps. Internal loopback, so you don't have to burn a preamp on a loopback. And Smart 9.1 is going to allow you to control the gain of those preamps right from within Smart. So really, that's a really compelling awesome. little unit. Um, those are turning out to be very popular. Um, and they're bus powered, so you don't need to plug in a power cable. You can just plug it right into your computer and off you go. Um, and so that's, that's, that's enough to do you know, uh, a four mic rig, and then you're getting into rack mount stuff if you need more than that. But those are, those are the, those are the things that that's the bread and butter, you know, 97% of these rigs are, are not these 16 mic wireless rigs. They're, they're one or two mics and they're a little baby interface and you can absolutely get your, get some real work done with that. So yeah, you, you, you do not need to spend thousands and thousands of dollars to get a useful tool set together. Um, for sure. Nice. Todd asks, bring it, or tells ass, bringing the chill. What do you find helpful from other people uh, that can make a gig less stressful? Help, help. marijuana. <laughs> I, I think a, oh. I think a lot of this is you create that. I mean, Kyle, Kyle is the master of this. You're gonna go in, you're gonna do your job, but you're not Thank gonna, you. yeah, man. But you're not gonna. You, you're not going to raise the tension. You're not going to increase the drama. Uh, Kyle, Kyle's Kyle is the great de-escalator. And and yeah, the, the Patrick Swayze for a house of audio. <laughs> <laughs> the and I, I yeah, I mean, I think there's there's something to really learn from that. Like, it's possible to take your job seriously and make sure that you're doing a good job without being a pain in the ass without stressing everybody else out. You can have a relaxed, fun day. Uh, you know, shout out to Bobby Brickman. I do Bobby Brickman. He was our, our vendor SE at Coachella. And there was a lot that had to happen. And there were things that weren't working properly that day. And there was just, you know, tensions are high. 
and Bobby was like, yeah, man, just let me know what you need. Let's, let's, let's do it. You know, and, and, and what could have been a very stressful day was really chill because we were able to just have a good time and, and do the work. And uh, so I think, I think you can set that tone in a lot of ways. If you show up and you're panicked and you're frenetic and you're, and you're going in 10 different directions and you're not giving clear instruction and, and the stress starts to rise and like you created that. So um, there's no fire. Yeah, don't create Yeah, There's no fire. And, and it all starts at loading too. I, I believe that's a huge thing is saying hello to everybody. Even if you don't remember their names, asking their names uh, I take the, the Mark Twain approach. I like to call it the Mark Twain approach because I'm from Missouri. And so is Mr. Twain. He wrote a book called uh, Great Adventures of Tom Sawyer. And uh, Tom Sawyer made these kids paint the fence even when it wasn't fun. And that's our job is to make it fun for these folks to unload our trailer and help us out and give us the hands that we need. And it sets a tone for the day. You're right. Like, that immediate interaction with people from load in to sound check is you're making. You make that. Um, and and I, I think a lot of people are in the whole stay in your lane mode and, oh, I don't deal with this, I don't deal with that. But you can be the great communicator between the departments. You know, if you're the one who's being social with all the stagehands, someone might come ask you a question about video or what dressing rooms you're using, but getting those people to the people that they need to talk to is still a great help. And like you said, in moments of fury and panic, uh, those who lose their temper are those who don't know what to do in that situation. So um, that comes with time. Um, I won't even say experience. Uh, Chris and I were talking about this before the podcast. It definitely comes with time, maybe not experience, because we're all perpetual students of this thing. But um, there's a way to make these folks enjoy you coming in and, and having to do some hard work to get the thing happening the right way and bringing the chill. Uh, I, I, yeah, and, and I, w- I would say, in this does come with time, I think, is being able to see the bigger picture or constantly having a 30,000 foot view uh, while also knowing what's happening on the ground um, is what helps people be chill, I guess, is like, you know, uh, because the people who, um, who can only focus in on this thing without knowing how it affects everything else or whatever, or, um, you, you know, that, that affects, you know, your, your response to things, uh, is, is, is one thing. Um, you know, there, there's like the, uh, and I'm, I'm freaking guilty of this is, um, the simple thing of like not running around, <laughs> you know, like there's a time and a point where like something's on fire, you got to run, you know, and like take care of something. But like, you know, it, it, I know at least for myself, it's in my nature to just constantly move very fast. And sometimes there's like just this, the way you carry yourself as you walk towards a problem or while something's happening and to not alert the masses that like, Oh my God, something must be happening because five people are running over there to do this thing. Um, that's, that that's, that's part of it as well. I think. Well, my favorite is my like, and it's, it's our stage manager does this super well. Um, 
where I call it the like power walk where like you're not running, but you're like totally doing that Olympic thing of like how big a steps can I take and how, how quickly can I move without looking like I'm moving quickly? It is one of my favorite things to be like, ah, yes, the subtle, not quite run, but we're, we're moving with a purpose. Yeah. Well, that's what it is. It's with a per- it's like looking like you have someplace to go, you know? What is that, Kyle? Are you, are you visited by a Hulk Hogan that, that, plushie? That's Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Yeah. The Hulkster. Hulkster. <laughs> it's like a, he's got a plush. He's got, the bus and he's got a Hulk Hogan like, plush doll behind him. <laughs> it, it's like it's like playing hacky sack and not seeing the hacky sack. You know what I mean? Because he was walking <laughs> around the bus talking to me. And then all of a sudden the Hulkster showed up. So he missed the whole conversation. <laughs> Sick. Um. Anything else on that before I move on to another question? Cool. Um, be a part of the chill. Everyone should be a part of the chill. Like I, I, I will say this is the first time I've done a club and theater tour in a long time, and I'm having the time of my life. And it still amazes me the amount of grumpy people that do these jobs in these venues. And it's like, dude, you just got here. Why are you already in a bad mood? And, and I, I feel it's, it, that's my challenge for the day, like, is to make that dude talk to me about why he's being so grumpy. <laughs> and it kind of, it kind of alleviates the problem. I'm just like, I find the grumpiest dude on the squad and like, all of a sudden I'm trying to be bros with him and, uh, yeah. it works out. Like, uh, it, it happens at every level, every level of this thing from arenas and stadiums all the way down to nightclubs and bars like there's always that one folk that's going to be grumpy but you just have to be the advocate for the chill and i I think it it works on everybody's personal skills too you know and how you talk to people and how you address people maybe it was the way i was brought up but i'm intrigued by people so those folks at the back of the trailer in the morning it's my job to keep them smiling and happy i'll crack stupid jokes and and have fun yeah. It's weird because I noticed this. They think since, since I'm so lighthearted and everything's getting done and easy that all of a sudden when showtime comes, I can tell by the ways people respond to me that they've been treated poorly in the past when situations like this have happened. So they, they answer in a certain way. Uh, the will term, for example, like moving my mic stands after the set to take my mics off the clips and put them away. Like I could tell they had been yelled at or berated by someone who came into their room about doing their job before asking, because everything that they did, they asked the question before they did the thing. And you can tell what question they would ask before they did the thing is something that they had to deal with from someone coming into their room and doing it to them. Um, So that's another thing that we need to talk about with our culture as audio people touring and not touring in theaters and in broadcasts and stuff like that is not perpetuating this movement of people being fearful of what's going to happen when you come and meet them. Um, because that, or, that or, 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 or a green person who previously has gotten basically shit on for not knowing things and not wanting to ask questions because of yeah. that, breaking down that as well. Yeah. You got to break down all those things because I don't, it's like a a scared dog. Like when you go to pet a 
dog that's been hit a bunch of times, they like pull back from you. It's the same with asking these questions before they actually try to help you out. You know, they've been yelled at before because of that. Like, lighten up. We have the best yeah. job in the world. We really do. And once we get enough technical expertise, it's all personality traits from there on out. Like, we can still treat people good and be good at our jobs. Yeah. Um, I think a hard thing too, and this goes like maybe more, maybe more for full time uh, sake, but this could be for, you know, when you're doing one offs or whatever, like, um, but it's definitely present in a full time. Like people are, we live so much at work, right. And we do so much at work, but like, so people's personal lives permeate into work, Right. So whether people are having financial issues, you know, uh, relational issues, um, their car just broke down, like whatever that baggage, I don't care how strong of a person you are, often comes into your work environment as well. Um, And um, so sometimes you maybe need to read through like, hey, why is this person in this headspace? You know, what's the best way to de-escalate this or giving someone grace that like, you know, uh, whatever they're experiencing in their home life or whatever is permeating into where they are right now. Like, that's a real factor and having empathy for like what that is in the moment um, that can play into your response, a.k.a. chill in a, in a, in a moment. Here, here. What's the next one, Chris? Is, I'll do like speed round that, here. Is that... I know. Is that is that Bucky's? What what's that? The new stuffed animal behind her? Is that Bucky's? That's Bucky's. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's the All right. Say on TikTok. Oosies. Really? Is that what they call it? Anyway. Um, <laughs> all right. We, we can go for back to a, maybe a, a technical question. Back over to Facebook. One of the questions was how to best place and tune corporate PAs when you have to work around the projection LED walls, wide, air quotes, wide, main, left, right, with a bunch of front fills across the front, maybe sub-placement timings on wide systems. Um, I'm going to take an initial stab at this because since I live in the corporate space, That's your um, <laughs> um, let's face it that um, we can have as many webinars, books, whatever about this is the best thing to do and the best placement and here's the science and here's the math and whatever at the end of the day especially in corporate at the end of the day what matters most what it looks like not what it sounds like or where the sound is coming from or whatever so you have to be willing to go hey all right with that in context what's the best i can do given that I have to I have to do what's best visually for the show first and then I can talk about sonically. So your speakers, yes, might end up up against air walls um, because that's what's best for the show, not sonically, and to deal with that. Or your speakers have to be flown to a point um, either far enough downstage that you, you're missing the front row, um, but it has to be high enough and down far stage enough so it's up above projection. So I... I us as the first thing I would say is us as audio nerds who know all the right things from a political standpoint, you have to be willing to accept what the client wants visually first and foremost. Now, there are plenty of clients who are willing to 
understand and have conversations and you can get really nice with your designs and this, that, and the other. But if you're not willing to bend in those areas and make the best of what the scenario is, you're going to have a really hard time um, either succeeding or being okay with yourself. So that's like a almost more of a disclaimer more than anything. Um and um and or in corporate, for instance, in many ballrooms, it's not like an arena or a theater well, arena where you can just say, I want a point here and bridle and magically you get a point there. In a corporate, it's like, oh, whoever designed this ballroom in nineteen eighty two, you know, put three points, they're asymmetrical to the room, that's what you get. And you're gonna have to deal with it and make the most of it. So um and that's not much of an answer of more of like do the best you can. And then to me, there's a couple tricks of like um, um, the psychoacoustics side of things, right? So like um, uh, when you're talking about delay times, um, you know, thinking about like where you want the perception to be um, um, and, and doing it that way. Um, sometimes there's gain structure things where if you have like inner speakers and outer speakers, uh, sometimes the, the best – uh, approach is game before feedback more so than timing or level and so what you're sending to the inner speakers versus the outer speakers is different because you're trying to get more game before feedback and you're spreading it out to out to the wides so that like that's a thing that happens um anyway those are a couple like disclaimers i would give i don't know if it's you know very scientific but like michael do you have any thoughts on that from more of an sc side of sure. things yeah i mean i want to hear sam's thoughts too but sure we always use the term optimization and a lot of people like think of measurement microphones and DSP, but like optimization is doing the best you can with within the constraints, whatever yeah. those constraints are. So I always start with, again, where's the optimal place for this loudspeaker? What is the optimal aiming? What is the optimal number of boxes? If we depart from that, that's a compromise. Some shows you compromise more than others. If you are compromising to the point where you're like, look, people aren't going to be able to hear this. Whoever's making that call, it's their call. That's, that's not my call. I will go home and go to bed and go to something else the next day. So the, whoever, whoever's making that call, they're responsible for that. I want them to make an informed decision. Okay. Well, well, I like that. Hold on. Real quick. Informed decision. And informed doesn't well, necessarily mean the science of what's kind of best for right? deployment. My, my favorite answer to that that I always say is, look, I I have a lot of thoughts about where you let me put this thing, but my, my favorite answer is always going to be, I'm going to put it wherever you let me put it because I would rather have it and have the coverage and have the chance to optimize it if it's in a helpful place or even close to a helpful place. And then we can have a conversation about, okay, can I, that's great, but can you give me, you know, a meter to the left, a meter to the right, up, down, <laughs> whatever the trim right is, right? You know, I, I want what you're going to be able to give me. <laughs> Look, man. I know, I know. I was waiting for somebody to comment on it. Um, <laughs> but that's the thing, right? Is I, I want, I want to have the option. And so, my favorite place for speakers to go in a highly visual setting is wherever you let me put them. And I had this conversation with RTM last week. Of he was going, "Hey, I really don't like the look of your front fills." And I said, "Okay, I get it. It's your call." But if you take them away, your however expensive front row tickets aren't going to hear the show. So you can you can tell me where you want them and I will put them there. Or you can take them away and know that that's what's going to happen. But I will tell you right now, we need them. And so you and he and I walked along and I was like, 
And I talked to our front of house engineer about this, who was the SE prior. And he gave me some really great advice. And he was like, I want him to tell me where he wants them. So he can't say that, oh, I don't like the look of them. Oh, this is, they got to go away. He's like, and, and that's one of those things where I was like, all right, this is the part where I have to advocate for the show. This is the part where I care about every seat, not more than others, but I will tell you that he's going to care about those front row seats a whole lot because he's going to walk out and stand right beside there and go, why can't I hear the vocal halfway through the show? And I don't want to have to look at him and be like, it's because you didn't think they were pretty. So, you know, give, and I, and my big thing is right. I don't ask for more than I need. I don't tell you it's a problem. If it's not a problem, I don't, I don't push for things unnecessarily. And look, if it's something where you tell me it's just no way in hell, absolutely. We can't do it. I'm going to say, okay. And we're going to work with what we get. And we're going to have the best show we can out of it. When, when Chris sent me this question, the first thing I thought about was a corporate show I did with uh, Ruben Stuttered and Kenny G. And uh, What a combination. Thing, Holy cow, man. They, they played a song together. It was really crazy. So beyond that, the event planner came up at the beginning of the day with the production manager for the thing. And um, she proceeded to tell us that she didn't want to see speakers anywhere in her design so going back to what chris started off with is almost hey the design is more important than our audio at this point so we're going to need to compromise where we need to put them but every time i go into a corporate show now i hear that we don't want to see the speakers in our design because a lot of these event people who do corporate things it's either built into the venue that they're working at um, they use a lot of uh built-in speaker systems for their events and then they do their one or two big events a year that have a, a musical act or entertainment where they do have to bring in supplemental audio so it's not something they're used to visualizing when they actually plan the event so uh, i always go into a corporate event thinking about that specific time that where i want to put the speakers is not necessarily going to be in line to where the event planner is going to want me to put the speakers so when it comes to timing and delay, like Chris said, the outs are always good. Uh, I, I love using outfills. I, I love using the dynamic of the ceiling to get things in places that they need to be, especially for the spoken word parts of the event and um, the question and answers. Um, you really have to uh, be political about that. Who's paying for the event? Who is the event for? And who was the planner that made it happen? And uh, maybe tell them the repercussions of moving your speakers to a place where it's not going to be operable, for sure. But at the end of the day, like you said, you're not there tomorrow. So let's just make this happen right now. Yeah, and and the last question of like you know was like you know subs placing timer for Y systems and any of this stuff. It's like at the end of the day, specifically from a corporate standpoint make it the best you can for the most amount of people. And at the end of the day, the rest of it just is going to be what it is, you know, uh, you know, and that sounds maybe a cop out or whatever, but I mean that, 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 that sometimes you're working with financial restraints, um, logistical restraints and whatever. And, you know, again, it's also, this isn't, this isn't rocket science. Most corporate shows, quite frankly, the sub, you know, that's, that's, it's a feeling um, for 
walk-ins and walk-outs and stingers and things like that. And if your timing isn't the most amazing thing, like, look, at the end of the day, it's not that big of a deal. It's not a full-on concert. Like, And I, I know I'm, like, maybe going against the grain of some other things, but it's like, it's, let's, let's be realistic here on what we're actually doing. I had did a corporate event. I tell the story all the time because it's like, it's just such a great learning experience for me. Did a corporate event and they go, look, it's a really reverberant space. It's like all polished wood on the inside. They're going to put laugh mics on these people. They're going to be way down on there. It's like shitty placement. They're not going to let you mic them. They won't use handhelds. And the sound was really terrible last year and they fired the mixer. So I go in and I'm like, well, let's take a look at it. I'm like, well, really, you know, you got people sitting right under these arrays in a really reverberant space. Like you really want to be using handhelds. No, no, no. Well, the video said, okay. So, okay. Um, mix position is in a glass booth. Like I'll be able to hear and prevent <laughs> feedback better if I'm in the same room as the event. And uh, you really want these paddles instead of being in this concrete wall at the back of the venue, 250 feet from the stage, you want these paddles side stage. And then they were like, well, no, no, no. I said, look, you called me because you had a failure last year and you want it to be better this year. You don't want to have a repeat, but you're just repeating all the same exact things that you did last year. So if you want to just keep it all the same, that's fine. I'm not going to fight you on it, but you have to understand that you're probably going to end up with the same result that you did last year. Now you call me to make it better and I'm telling you what to change to make an improvement. So you can either do those things and have an improvement, or you can ignore me and keep doing the same thing that caused your failure last year. Again, I don't care. You're paying me the same amount of money either way. I'm not interested in what they're talking about. Like I stand to benefit nothing from this event. I'm here because you called me. That's it. That's that's how invested I am, right? And and I said, but just let me know what you want to do because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna keep fighting you on this. And they thought about it and they came back and said, okay. And I did what I said I was gonna do, and it didn't fail. So I think the wrong way to go about this is to get mad. At the end of the day, you know yeah. what I mean? Like it's not, yeah. I'm, I, I gave you my advice. I'm not going to be personally slighted if you don't want to move the paddles because it's not something you're doing to me. It's like, I, I told you what, you, what, how to fix it. Um, so a lot of what I do is it, like it's, consulting it's, in a way, you know? It's really hard to not take these things sure. personally, right? Like, like, and like I'm like the first to admit that I take things too personally at work, right? Because we put so much passion behind what we do that in these moments we want to exude that. At the end of the day, sometimes we have to put that passion aside, like you said, and it's like, hey, here's my suggestions. If you don't take that, I'll give you the best I can what you're doing. So um let's 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 jump on to another one uh so we can try to get a few more of these michael do you have one maybe you wanted to pick out from from discord uh let me scroll back here short of me picking one up for you but i'll see hey, maybe where did was that the episode and... discussion channel where do we put that it, yeah okay yep. episode discussion uh we looks we did those um feedback loops GB says, looking for the quickest way to track down the source of onstage feedback loops. Um, so, uh, yeah, throw and go pub band, limited time to sound check and tune the system properly. If I have any time at all, I'm going to listen to the speakers. I'm going to listen to the mains. I'm going to listen to the, the monitors. If you've got four monitors up on stage and they all sound different, 
of course you're going to be fighting that all night. So, so spend your time getting that right. People spend too much time on like Tom, Mike number two, and they haven't heard all their mixes and they haven't heard their PA. I think that's backwards. Um, so, so that's, that's one thing, but also use your meters. Your meters are super, super, super important, right? I mean, your meters show you what's going on with your signal levels, um, tie an RTA into your solo bus. And so when you solo up a mix, you can, or an input, you can see that spectrum as well as hear that spectrum and you've got more information and you're going to be able to respond more quickly. Um, here's an, here's an age old question. Oh boy in terms of feedback and shows is it me or is it you is it front of house or is it monitors is there it's always a monitor guy's fault but is it but is it no and and like look let's from a physics standpoint when there is feedback you are going to hear it where in both places because it's on that freaking signal you so you're not just going to hear feedback in monitors you're not just going to hear feedback in the mains feedback is as a loop of that channel feeding back to itself so how does someone know whether it is inherently monitors or if it's inherently front of house is the issue yeah i mean there's 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 no hard and fast other than like a lot of experience i think but for one thing that you're your, the loop between your wedge and your mic is a much shorter path, okay? And it's also pointed at the mic. So higher frequencies are going to tend to be more of a problem, and it's going to rise in level faster, generally speaking, because the, because the, the loop time is lower. So each time you, if your, your loop goes over, it's a little systems control theory here, right? So if your loop goes over unity gain, sure. that's what feedback is. And the more times per second it's making that loop, the faster it's going to rise in level. So, so monitors are going to, do that front of house feedback, generally speaking, is going to be a lower frequency because that's what's coming off the back of the PA is the stuff, right? The, the high frequencies are not hopefully focused on the stage. And and it's a further distance between the mic and the speaker. So the loop the loop time is is longer. However, in a small club, that's less that's less true. If you're on a huge stage with a huge PA that's really directional and the mains are really far from the mics, that's more true. Um Everything's all interactive in a club. So one of the things that, that's really helpful, high pass the shit out of your wedges. Because there's so much crap on stage that you don't need you don't need 80 hertz in your wedges because it's coming off the back of the PA in a club. The and, and the other way around, I, I remember my first tour, I was like 19, and we did all these clubs, and there was just so much crap coming off the stage. As soon as I'd put the mains on it, it just would take off and I was getting so frustrated. And the house guy was like, Look, man, kill your mains. Listen to what's coming off the stage. You hear all that? It's like, it's like 160, 200, 250. Like you don't need that in the mains. It's just coming off the stage. So you start scooping that out. So, so you don't just start piling stuff on top of other stuff. If you have an act that's got you got a drum set, you got amps, all this crap that's coming off the stage already, use that. Use the PA to add what's not, what's not there already. So you're not just dumping all these low-frequency sources on top of each other to start pooling up. Um, so again, what are we talking about? Systems optimization here. We're talking about deploying these things in in a, in a logical way. But I mean, learning your frequencies is really helpful. So when you hear something start to ring before it turns into feedback, you already know what frequency that is, and you can start to figure out where that is and make sure you've got you know EQs on your wedges and EQs on your mains. And um, I know they said they didn't have time to tune the system, but I will say this. If you take time to properly tune your wedges first, you'll be astonished how Bingo. how much more stable it gets. Bingo. So um, that that's how you know. Yeah. That was going to be my insert to the whole thing was know your rig. Mm-hmm. 
like take a 58, walk around your wedges, tune everything before they get there. It should only take five minutes, 10 minutes tops. You know, the top end of your gain and the low end of your, of your gain. Um, same thing with front of house, know your, know your gain structure. Like there, there's so many things that can preempt feedback loops. Um, it, it, it's almost like, uh, I don't want to say elementary, but it's elementary in the point of walk with your 58. Like I I've worked in so many bars and did some throw and goes and stuff like that. It, it's all it takes is for you to walk to the mic, check it, make sure all your high passes, like you said, are in the right thing. Remember it, the more you high pass stuff, the, the more you direct the energy somewhere else as well too. So, uh, watch what happens when you direct that energy somewhere else. Cause you might get a frequency to go off somewhere else that you weren't aware of. Um, it, it, it's all in preempting it. Uh, EQ the rig before you get there, like say, Hey guys, one second, I'm going to take a listen, grab a 58, talk through everything, wave it in front of the mic or wave it in front of the speaker, whatever you got to do, push up a little bit more, wave it again, see where your top end is for that stuff to happen. Um, Feedback is fun. It's a learning experience. Like people get so scared of it. Um, that's how you learn frequencies. That's yeah. You can't be scared of feedback. Look, here's the thing. If you're scared of feedback, I got bad fucking news for you. At some point in your career, <laughs> you will cause feedback. So just come to peace with that. And you know, before yeah. it turns into fe- before it's feedback, it's a ring. And before it's a ring, it's just a little bloom, a little resonance. And the better you get at hearing that, the earlier you can catch it. And you get to the point where you can catch it and fix it before anybody knows it was going to happen. Dude, you can catch it in your gain structure. Yeah. Just watching your console. Like, you could hear it in the gain of your microphones when nobody's playing. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? You can walk through those wedge line and go, ooh, something's hot. Mm-hmm. You feel it before it even starts that bloom, like you said. It's 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 almost like once you learn that, you're you're over it. And now you're like a feedback destroyer personally. Uh, you you can catch that stuff before it goes. Uh, I, I do this a lot too, and um, I walk my speaker line. You talk about the front of house to monitor who's causing it wars. Uh, a lot of that has been, you know, destroyed by in-ear monitors. But on this last tour with Sammy Hagar, uh, or 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 helped. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's helped, and and those those frequencies <laughs> will barrel in certain certain things, and that's why. You walk around and listen to the venue while you're loading in, too, because you know what frequencies are kind of hanging around in what area. If the building's really live, if you could hear the roof, if you could hear the stage, if you could walk across and hear your, your condenser mics picking up other things besides the things that they're pointed at. Like, um, you can almost feel those frequencies once you get them down. And feedback, as much as it's a problem, like you said, Michael, uh, there's a lot more problems to worry about because you'll be able to nail those things right away, like get rid of feedback, uh, work with thrusts and people walking in front of huge PAs and subs with microphones pointed right into them. Like uh, you can make it as stable as can be. It just takes, you know, a little bit more time, you know, take, take five, 10 minutes and walk with that mic. One last trick. This might be, this might be a Kyle trick, but the first thing to do once you get the arts on stage, get, get those vocals in the wedges. So y'all can hear each other and they can talk to each other because yep. otherwise they're going to turn the guitar up, turn the bass up to the, everything's making all this noise. And now you've got to try to get the vocals in the wedge over all that crap. Start with the vocal, 
give them a baseline. They're not yelling to try to communicate. It's just an easier day. Yep. Uh, it's always weird starting with the, the traditional input list. Like, okay, kick drum. Um, I think if you're in a situation where you have two operators, one at front of house and monitor world, monitors should be kind of set and rang before front of house even starts. And then you should decide who calls the input list. Um, I usually, even on these last few tours that I did do monitors on, I set all my vocals first, and then I had the front of house dude call the list how he would straight off the desk. And uh, it ended up being better. Those vocals were a, the starting point, the base point for everything on, on stage. Um, kept, kept things a lot more manageable that way. If you start putting kick drum in first and bass guitar and things that eat up a lot of energy in the low end, uh, it's not going to give you a really solid volume reference to where your vocals are going to sit. I also try not, I try not to do it at all. I try not to just, okay, give me a kick, give me a snare. No, I, I check the lines. You know the lines are good. Guys, play something. Make the sound you're going to make, because in a small room like that, it's all coming down, it's all coming together. And again, I'm going to listen to what's coming off the stage, and I'll, I'll add stuff into the PA. So I'm going to build my mix as they're playing. You're going to get something that's a lot closer to what's actually going to happen during the show. There's no part of the show where it's just Tom 2 over and over again by itself, right? Like, why are you working on it like that? So let them play. Build your mix. If by the end of the song you need to hear an input, then say, hey, let me get the acoustic a little more. But I, I I try not to make them do this march through the input list that bears no resemblance to what the show is going to be. Just let them play. Let them rehearse. It's, I haven't done it in a long it's, time either. It's, it's, it's a massive time suck, it too. It is. Yeah. You know what so I mean? you, like, you, the lines should be checked before your artist hits the stage. And then once they get on stage, it's your time. Do what you all need. I'll, if I need something, I'll let you know. And you, you just it's, it's a lot easier. It's lower stress. And you get where you need to go quicker, I think. So I, I I was trying to think an answer to this question. I'm curious if any of you have an answer to it. So Ben Jones asked, it would be cool to hear about any big mistakes y'all have made on gigs, especially being in the corporate audio side. It feels like there's no room for any errors. It would be nice to hear that you still get hired after making notable noticeable mistakes during a gig. And this is going to sound freaking pompous, uh, and I, I'm not trying to be, but like I've never been fired from a gig, um, or have had any like catastrophic failures. I've had like minuscule things and things like that. Um, I, I would the the biggest context I could give on this before I pass it off to see if anyone has any answer to this. All right, so I'm the uh, for those who don't know, I'm a director of operations of a, of a corporate production company. And we we do, you know, I don't know, six to seven hundred plus events a year, you know, and there are going to be failures, whether it's uh, a recording failure or like just failures, whatever doesn't matter. Um, and the biggest thing um, that the mon- mantra that we have is that it's not how you um, it's not how you start. It's how you end or. Um, uh, how, or how you finish basically um uh, or how you it's not, not an it's not about the issue it's about how you respond to it so like in that vein right so like um you know uh d- determining the difference between was it a gear malfunction like so we recently had an event where it emphatically it's 
we were able to prove that like it was not a tech failure it was legit like, like a technician failure it was um this device literally failed whether it was it lost input or it had a power failure or whatever like being able to determine those things and and document and say hey this 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 is like most clients are willing to accept a technical failure more than they're willing to accept a personnel failure. So those are probably two different scenarios uh, to follow through. Um, but, um, you know, it's how you respond to it. So like, you know, Hey, I recognize I did X, Y, we did X, Y, and Z. This happened here's the corrective action we're going to make to do it. And because there's enough history there with you, they're willing to accept that and know that that wasn't your norm. Um, so I'm not sure if that really answers that to a degree, but I mean, that that's some of the real life scenarios that I see on a continual daily basis. I I'll share a mistake I made pretty early on in my career. Um, and it's a symptom of something that I see people get stuck on all the time, which is forgetting about the big picture, forgetting about why you're doing what you're doing. I, I had the opportunity to mix a musical, um, in a, in a beautiful theater, very lively acoustic theater. And I could do whatever I wanted with the PA. So I tuned to this thing and I was like, all right, man, I'm going to get like super fucking low variance, like really consistent. And I honestly had this thing like plus or minus one DB in every seat. And it was like the first time I'd gotten really, really low variance out of a system like that. And I'd been, you know, studying the techniques. And I was like, man, Bob would be so proud of me. You know, I was like so stoked to myself. And then they put a 22 piece orchestra in the pit. And guess what? The orchestra is not plus or minus one DB. It's like plus eight in the front of the room because it's an orchestra, right? So I'm in the back row at mixed position, perfectly balancing the vocals through the PA and the acoustic orchestra. And down front, because the system is even over the space and the orchestra is much louder in the front of the room, the vocals are totally fucking buried and no one down front can hear. And so I got so caught up in this variance and going after 1DB here and there that I didn't stop and go, what are you trying to do right now? What is your goal? If you want the show experience to be the same for these people, they need more PA down front because the orchestra is going to be louder down front. So if you want it to sound balanced, you don't want a system with no variance. And so way too often we chase these technical goals and we we lose sight of what we're actually trying to do. Um, and that's a mistake that you make once and then you realize that it's happened. And and boy, do you remember that after that. So there's there's many variations on that theme. But I think that especially with so many tools and plugins and all this cool shit that we have in 2022, it's really easy to focus on doing something and f- not ask yourself why you're doing it. And maybe overlook the fact that it's not something that you should be doing or it's not the priority or it's not actually what's best for the for the show. And so thinking mm. conceptually, what am I doing right now and why will help you avoid a lot of that stuff. And if anybody's read my book, that's that's the whole book It's not just what are you doing, but why are you doing it? You know, you, do you have a reason for what you're doing right now? Or you're just doing something. <laughs> you, you have a book. Dude, Kyle, I have a book, buddy. <laughs> it is weird. I, I, I keep begging the question. That's why I got your book sitting in my backpack right next to me. I, you know, it's funny. Um, look, I, uh, I certainly have had failures on shows. Um, the, the biggest things, um, that I have learned is owning your mistakes, 
Like, right? I mean, um, whether this is to your supervisor, whether this is to your client, whether whatever, like um, any amount of like trying to brush anything under the rug or waiting until someone else says something will almost always result in a harder time to recover than just owning that mistake up front. Um, and this becomes even more, even more true or just even like um, uh, specifically specifically when you have people under you um, who are working for you. And it's like at the end of the day, uh, we talked about this on, I don't know when these sequence of episodes are coming out, but the one we recorded before this um, was like, you know, hey, I have to own the product of what's coming out, right? So if I have people who are under me and if they make a mistake at the end of the day, that's also a mistake I made because there may be some checks and balances that I could have put in place. Um, and that, that's the big, I think the biggest thing I've learned recently of like, Hey, what could I have done better communicating that and then affecting upon that? And so this is such a relationship business, whether it's corporate, whether it's rock and roll or whatever. Um, and so I think most people understand that there are technical failures and there's human failures, um, but is there a pattern? And can I trust you to that? Hey, if you said, "Hey, you know what? I had a lapse in judgment, or I had this issue. I'm going to fix it this time." Or, "Hey, I had this gear failure. Here's what we're doing and put in place to remedy this the next time." Um, you can build upon that foundation. Well, and like going back to checks and balances, like I. For starters, I'm going to preface this by saying I make six to ten mistakes a day, I feel like. So, you know, there's there's always going to be something's always going to break and you're always going to miss something, P- period. That's like that's is what it is. Hopefully not in the same day. Right. And hopefully it's something small and easy and you, you tweak it. That's great. Um, for me, this is my first tour working with like two different tour riggers and having our rigging plot changes so much because we're carrying delays. Right. So. Our delay position moves all the time. And those checks and balances come from me saying, hey, you know, these points are in the right spot. These points are not in the right spot. And figuring out, okay, how much can we move them without changing the design catastrophically or having to redesign this, hopefully. Right. Because sometimes sometimes we get points where we want them and sometimes we look up and go, Welp, we're gonna have to go back to the drawing board. Uh, and I think our first week I miscalculated something because we have different datums between our rigging plot and our map file. Uh, and we ended up like a couple meters off. And I was like, all right, that's my bad. I I should have pushed back harder. I should have said, no, okay, can can we get any closer? Um, and I, I ended up redesigning it. But that that was definitely, rigging has been the biggest learning curve for me on this one. Um, and, and sometimes it's a hardware thing. And the other thing too, is sometimes it can be a mental thing of just, you know, even if you're just flying PA, right. Learning that, you know, sometimes it's not that you're wrong or you're taking something personally. It's just sometimes if two people have strong opinions, the other person may default to, well, it's not that you're wrong. It's just that I'm right. And so learning to not take that personally too, is something else I've learned. Not necessarily on this, but just just this year has been a lot of what what does Paul call it? Q-tip? Quit taking it personal. <laughs> yep, I, yeah, I think about that, that like daily. It's not easy in his business. So big mistakes. I've I've made my fair share of them. I mean, I've been through 
three gigs this last two years that I've been let go from. And uh, I, I always did this to myself. I always killed myself with whys. And Chris and Michael can vouch for this because I talked to both of them about it. Like I kept asking myself, why? Why did why did that happen? Why did this go that way? Why, 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 why? Stop it. Um, it that helped me focus on what I really needed to be doing. And maybe I was stepping out of my comfort zone to do things that I wasn't ready to do. And the why was that exact answer. It was... I shouldn't be flying a ton of PA for this band and doing that. I've never done this before and no one's out here helping me. And um, I was kind of on my own. And then why do I want to be the operations manager of a, of a new place? And I've never done that before. I've only done this side of it. Why, why did I get like it? it your, your, your mistakes wash away. And I, and I think the way that you handle them and resolve them is way better. And the last time I was let go was, you know, hey, we were, to, were deciding to go in another direction. And I always love that answer. That's one of my favorite answers because then I can be like, okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me, whatever, and uh, we'll move on. So it, catastrophic mistakes, and we've, we've addressed this a few times. There's not many catastrophic mistakes in our field. Trust me, when, when a show goes down, everybody hears about it. Um, and you don't hear about it that often. They are small mistakes. And like Sam said, six to eight a day isn't, isn't a bad ratio. Um, and usually you'll catch yourself in about you know 80% of those, and no one will ever know they were a mistake but you. Holding yourself accountable on the other side of that is, is, hey, moving forward so you can not make those mistakes again tomorrow and you have another six to eight new things that you can fuck up tomorrow. Um, and that's where it is. Uh, this business is rough and you'll get fired over politics and you'll get fired over friendships and you'll be, get fired over personality and you'll get fired over Things that you can't sit and ask yourself why about. Not many people are getting fired because of catastrophic failures because not many catastrophic failures are fucking happening. Yep. Um, that's the truth of it. There's going to be a lot more reasons that you're getting let go from something than worrying about why you're getting let go from something all the time. Dude, a lot of times it's not even you. It's literally that the PM wanted his buddy to have the gig. You didn't do anything. Exactly. Yeah, You've been the victim of yeah, that a couple of times, man. Hundred yeah, percent. Totally. Yeah, and, 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 and this is where like we we are our own worst critics. Sure. That is a blessing and a curse, right? So you have to figure out how to lean into you being your own worst critic. Like so, it's you have to better yourself, right? So I mean, like what can I? What could I have done better in the situation? You know, um, but then, like, dude, we're not freaking saving lives here, you know, right? And it's so there. There are more gigs there, you know. And look, you can't you can't go flagrant about that mindset, right? But I mean, you know, um, uh, when you miss a cue or you miss a redundancy thing or whatever, it's like, yep, just just freaking own you know drop any ego you have around 
you know, w- what it was, no matter how good you have been in the past. Right. So, and that's the th- oh, thing sorry, where it's Sam. like, is, Go ahead, Sam. No, you're good. I mean, no, you're right. And that's the thing, right? Where as much as I'm like, oh, I feel like it's six to 10 a day, right? Like, I know it's not. And I know it's it's me and in my head, you know, and it's me beating myself up over the one thing I missed or whatever it boils down to, right? Um, but even beyond that, just like accepting that, don't necessarily throw yourself under the bus, but just say, like for me, I I keep a notebook and I I have a rule where like I just my goal is to not make the same mistake twice. Like I'm allowed to make mistakes but just don't do the same mistake twice. Cause at that point you didn't learn from it. And so literally I have a notebook where every, like not every dumb little mistake, but everything that I hadn't like every mistake I made that caused me to learn something, I write it down. Um, and I write down some of the good stuff too. You know, every, you know, you do something, and, Oh, that worked really well. Great. But I mean, I literally carry around a little gray notebook with all of them. So when is your book coming the out? Book yeah. Do, yeah. Do, do you do you have a do you have a burn book too, like Mean Girls? <laughs> <laughs> That's at home, Chris. <laughs> All right, one, let's so, one more. Let's. What's the last one here? I want to go to bed. I, I wanna, oh, no, I, I want to do this. Okay. One. I want to do this one because this is something that needs to be addressed that we haven't done on the podcast and we're not very good at doing. Uh, Joe McGrath said, "How do I become a successful audio engineering podcast host?" That was a complete joke because. Uh, he followed it up with, seriously, though, I'd like to hear about more technical stuff. What about an episode on array calculation software like Ease or maybe something about making different network systems play nice? Um, I know we all have something to say about this because that's one thing that we really don't touch on. It We get into the technical stuff here and there, but we're, I don't think that that's our bandwidth. It might be. We, we could sit and talk technical stuff, but... Holy shit, the Rutabaga Club would log out before we were done, I think, you know? Well, um, <laughs> I don't think so. I think you should give them some credit, Kyle. I think they're I think first of all, ride or die, bitch. Like get in, get on. Yeah, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. They, they, I like they that. ride or die, but when have we really got super technical in network systems that don't match? We don't. I mean it's not No, it's, I, I think that the, the difference is is that like there's a time and a place for hey, like here's a webinar, a tutorial on how to do X, Y, and Z project. Yeah. Versus some of the things we do, and so, um, yeah, I mean, there's because the problem is, is that when it comes to like ease array calculation, I can't even speak four beers deep. Um, array calculation software, I mean, like th- that could be a whole webinar series, YouTube series, whatever uh, around that. So I'm not dismissing Joe. Joe's great, by the way. Joe, Joe, he freelances for me uh, down in DC. Great dude. Um, but is um, should we maybe even just point? Hey, is there some direction? Yeah. Uh, on on and, and that was my, resor- my reason re- for- resources for that stuff. I don't know. Yeah, that, that was my reason for doing it. I think the Discord and the Facebook are great places to do tidbits of technical questions, or at least get great direction. We might not necessarily address it in our podcasts, but we've always been one to help our community find the resources that they need to get the stuff that they have. And our community is great about it too. Like someone just asked a question a couple of weeks ago about some Dante control problems or issues. And literally it was answered within a few seconds. We had someone ask about um, what an arena schematic looked like because I was there. I walked into the production office and got it for him. I mean, so it's, it's not like that we have to sit here and talk and, and tell everyone, how to work an array calc for for dmb or or any other manufacturer 
I think our podcast does take on, take on the technical side by helping you guys get the information and education we need through other forms like peer groups. And I think that's probably one of the best ways to get the education nowadays. I don't know. I could be completely yeah. wrong. No. And I mean, we've had John Huntington on, right? We had Josh Owen from Meyer and definitely talked a lot about those networking systems. And that was really cool. And I, even I learned a lot from that. That was some of my favorite episodes. Um, and then beyond that, right, almost every major manufacturer back to the prediction software has a whole YouTube channel, tutorial, whatever, um, whether it's a series of videos or a singular video that they you can go through uh, and learn how to use their software. And that's a lot of how I've learned things. Michael, um, Sam, maybe they want like an opinion piece. Well, uh, what we think of their there's, garbage. <laughs> there's two. There's two layers. None of right? them do everything right. you want. There's them two to layers, do. and there's no perfect tool. So layer one is conceptually: what are we doing when we go to design a an array? Unacceptable. I want the perfect well, tool. Okay, so like the stuff in my book is manufacturer agnostic. It's just the principles of how do you aim an array? How do you determine the splay angles? Right? How much overshoots do I want? Doesn't matter what the logo is on the front of the box. Then once you understand that. Layer two is how do I do it in DMB software? How do I do it in Meyer software? How do I do it in Alacoustic software? Because each manufacturer has their own ecosystem and their own tool set. But at the end of the day, they're all trying to do the same thing, which is tell me how to point this thing, right? Can, can, can I can I condense what you just said? I, uh, sure. Like no. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, I the 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 point the point being or the or at least the way I translate that is uh, you know um, the the core of any of these softwares is physics or physics and science and science right like like so understanding principles matters more than knowing ease knowing Meyer knowing Elacusics knowing whatever X Y Z manufacturer or software because if you don't understand those principles first then you're not gonna understand any of these other well, yeah things. you have to know both so, you have to be effective with your tools but sure the manufacturer's job isn't to teach you basic science some of them do some of it some of them do very little of it but but you want to understand conceptually what you're trying to do and how it works. And then you let the manufacturer tell you how their tool helps you accomplish that. And some of them are only 2d. Some of them are 3d. Some of them do complex, uh, you know, summation. Some of them just do power summation. So there's nobody's tool checks every box on the list of things I would want a prediction software to do. And often the, the reality is people go, which one's the best, whichever one is going to accurately predict the system that you're using. Right, like it's I mean, not they're not they're not generic. That's so true. <laughs> so if you're if you're on a Maya rig, you're using Map. Sorry, that's 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 what it is, right? If you're if you're on a, a DMB rig, you're using a rig help. So um, unless you are in the position where you work for a company that stocks one type of speaker and that's all you touch, and that that is some people's reality. For the rest of us, I have to know them all. Now there are some that I'm more comfortable with, some that I'm less comfortable with. But again, knowing the science, knowing the principles behind what I'm trying to do is a big help. And then it becomes a lot more manageable to go, Hey, where's the whatever button in this particular software? So, and that's a bigger topic, but let the manufacturers teach you about how their tool set works and educate yourself about the science. And if you put those two things together, you're going to be able to function very well. And I will say the only thing I would add is that like, even I spend a lot of time converting files between different softwares. Um, I've done that a lot lately. By, by, let's where, be clear, you know, manually. I, now there's no automatic, Oh yeah, no, no. This is a 
welcome to a time suck, but you, you do get faster in everybody's softwares, which has been a really cool thing for me to have to do for better or worse is, you know, we had all these files for all these venues on this tour and that's great. And, you know, some of them could be imported from things like cat and vector works. And then you just go and you put the planes uh, and the rest of them, you know, you're, you're punching in listening areas and audience geometry or whatever you want to call it with whatever software you're in manually for every, every venue for the whole tour. Um, and so like we're, we're using a Meyer system. So it'll be, I'm putting them in a map and I'm taking, taking them out of, um, primarily Ray Calkin sound vision. Uh, and yeah, you know, there, there isn't not a button, but you learn a lot about where things are and how things work, which has been really cool. And, you know, kind of to sum up what Chris and Michael are saying, I feel like understanding the physics helps you determine what you do within the tool you're using. Like that, that's it for me. Well, I think this has been lovely. We, we answered all the questions. Yeah. I haven't seen we all, did. all folks in, in quite some time. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, I'm glad you're having a good time out there, man. I'm yeah, a, dude, I'm miss having, you. I'm having a great time. It, mixing shows is where I'm supposed to be. Uh, my lady Carla said it the best. She was like, Oh, what are you doing when I was doing the SC stuff? And she was like, that doesn't sound fun. I I, I tried to justify it to her because I was like, oh, I'm moving a new tool set and it's fun. And like, I get to unload and load. And she was like, no. (laughs) And she she was right. Uh, I'm having a blast. Come see me. Um, Hey, I I do want to do this. Facebook, let's keep it nice. Let's keep it polite. No calling people names. No getting personal over stuff. You will get the boot. Um, we're not here to separate you children. You children work nice to, with each other, and we're all peers. No one is better. If someone preempts a statement with, I've been doing this for X amount of years, stop yourself before you start writing that. Uh, we're all in the same boat. Please be kind to each other. Be kind to people at venues. Be kind because uh, you're going to leave a lasting impression on them, uh, whether or not join our discord uh thanks to paul and courtney at the clinic because we've definitely talked about them again um michael got a haircut chris is wearing an orange nike hoodie i can't see sam she said meters twice (laughs) get the fuck out of your Um, (laughs) no i will say this the empirical calculations of things is a little bit different and i love the euro meters and centimeters and stuff like that because it's all by tens and I have 10 fingers, so it's really easy to do. Uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks for joining us. Also, for the record, I love how, like, I know where Michael's staying. So Michael's, like, at Rational Headquarters this week. And so I know, like, this, like, cute little, like, classic hotel that you're staying at. And I, I find it funny that you're, like, trying to be real quiet when you're talking. Because I know your neighbors can hear you because the house then those walls are and there's a door right next to you that leads to the room that's right next to you <laughs> yes we're trying to be respectful of our neighbors here and i am going to sleep it's, it's, i've had a long day so it's lovely to see everybody thanks everyone for for tuning in as always thank you to our sponsors alan heath audix rcf we appreciate their support thanks to the roadie clinic and thanks to y'all we love y'all see you soon love you peace bye, bye.